want to reiterate just a couple of things Pastor Bob had said about uh, Veterans Day. I want to tell you, back in 1986, uh, Phyllis and I had the opportunity to go to the USS Arizona out in Hawaii, and I know Hawaii is a beautiful place, but I want to tell you, I was forever changed by going there and going and standing over the oil slick that was the USS Arizona, and and it not only reminded me of what we celebrate on Memorial Day of those that have given their lives in wartime, but it also reminded me and gave me a better picture of what it is to give the ultimate sacrifice, those, um, what we call them, the, uh, the military, the Air Force and the Marines and the Navy and the Army and the Coast Guard that give their, uh, that give their time and uh, make so many sacrifices. And I was reminded of that when we were over in Normandy and Point du Hoc and other places that I've been, uh, just the, uh, see the ultimate sacrifice of those. But we want to honor and uh, take time to honor anybody that wears that uniform. That is what the Armistice Day started. Uh, we find it, uh, I'm not comical today, it is a sad story because the Armistice Day was done the, what, the 11th month, the 11th day, the 11th hour uh, between the Allies and Germany. That war that would cease and stop all other wars. Well, wouldn't that have been great? But we know that that's not happened later on. It was called Veterans Day. Uh, no apostrophe before it, no apostrophe after it. It's just Veterans Day. Always will be. And we see a lot of that. And, and I'm so thankful in looking back a little bit through history and through my lifetime that we as a, as a nation have begun to really recognize those that uh, do serve uh, on our behalf. And uh, so we're so thankful as we see them in uniform and without the uniform on when they're walking and we know that they're, they have served or are serving. Phyllis and I went out to eat last week and we saw that uh, one of our local restaurants gave them a free meal. Anybody in the military that served in the military gave them a free meal and Phyllis went over and talked to uh, one to make sure they were taken care of. I was sitting right by himself uh, there that day and just seeing those men and you're almost brought to tears. The, the sacrifice they made and also just uh, understanding that what their family sacrifices, uh, whether there's war or not, that they're willing to serve. And so we're so thankful that, um, that they did uh, do what they did. And we don't have to do like, uh, remember the nation of Israel when they were building back the walls of uh, Jerusalem, a sword in one hand and working with the other. That's kind of a tough way to do it. We can today follow our dreams, seek out our dreams because someone is standing guard somewhere in this country around the world that we can have the peace that we can uh, follow our dreams and achieve those dreams. So we're so thankful for them and I hope and pray uh, that there, some of those are watching today, and if you see one this week, it's not just November the 11th, it's the 12th and the 13th and the 14th, right on. So if you see a veteran anytime, uh, in any place, you tell them thank you for their service, and teach that to your children. All right, let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Father God, we do thank you, Lord, for a day that we can honor our veterans, not only that, Lord, but most importantly, that we can honor you. We have this opportunity, Lord, to, to gather in our homes, to gather in our workplaces. Uh, even a few are able to gather here this morning, though, that 
we're without our pastors and we miss them and and uh, Miss Christy, Lord, is really struggling this morning. We uh, just lift her up as Brother Don did in prayer this morning for so many others, not only in our community but across this nation, uh, that are struggling and dealing with this pandemic that uh, we've all, our lives have been changed and altered as a result of. But Lord, we still know that you're in charge. Lord, we know that no matter what takes place, that you'll guide, protect and bring about your good and perfect will. Lord, help us to learn from it, to be smart, use the mind that you have given us, but at the same time, Lord, to recognize, Lord, that you're still sitting on the throne of heaven, and you're still commanding the things that take place in and around us. And Father, we ask you to guide us this morning as we open your word, as we seek to Not only just talk about uh, veterans as we've done previously this morning, but to talk about a nation that we love. A nation when we hopefully see that red, white, and blue and the stars that shine so bright representing us as a state nation. That, Lord, we would just have chills. That we would understand what it means to live And what I believe to be one of the greatest, if not the greatest nation that has ever existed. But Lord, we still have our faults and failures. God himself has given instructions, not only to us, but we can see the parallels between God and working with Israel. Help us this morning as we open your word, that it speak to us, individually, as a church, as a community, as a state, and especially as the nation that we are. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen. If you have your copy of God's Word this morning, and I hope you do, you have it somewhere there beside of you, wherever you might be, and you would take it out and you would turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. I'll give you just a second to go. It's way back there. Or if you start from the beginning, usually like we are as New Testament church, we start in the New Testament, we start flipping left or flipping right. But if you'll go back to uh, through the Torah, and you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6, and kind of a, a reissuance of what God wanted to instruct Moses to tell the nation of Israel, this to be great nation, to accomplish all that God set out for them to be, to be his people, to be a great nation. He said, these are some of the things that I command you that I guide you, that I direct you, that your leader will pass along to you, that you might accomplish those things that I have set out for you. Well, isn't that kind of like a parent to a child? We have done as much as we can. We've paved the way. We've done our best to teach them, to guide them, to give them some things that would help them to accomplish the things maybe that uh, we'll read here in just a moment. And to see the joy on God himself's face as he sees the nation of Israel rise up to be a great nation. Now, if you have your Bible with you this morning, I'm going to read a lot. I said this morning that it probably be your Bible reading for the day. If you'll read along with me, then we'll call it even the day. You've read your, your Bible for the day. So Deuteronomy chapter 6 in verse number 1. It says, this is the command, the statutes and the ordinances. The Lord your God has commanded me to teach you 
so that you may follow them in the land you are about to enter and possess. Do this so that you may fear the Lord God, Lord your God, all the days of your life. By keeping all the statutes and commands I am giving you, your son and your grandson and so, that you may have a long life. Listen, Israel, and be careful to follow them so that you may prosper and multiply greatly because the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you a land flowing with milk and honey. Listen, Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. These words that I am giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Bind them as a sign on your hand and let them be a symbol on your forehead. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your city gates. When the Lord your God brings you into this land, he swore to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that he would give you a land with large and beautiful cities that you did not build, houses full of every good thing that you did not fill them with, cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves that you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, be careful not to forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Fear the Lord your God, Worship him and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God who is among you is a jealous God. Otherwise, the Lord your God will become angry with you and obliterate you from the face of the earth. Do not test the Lord your God as you tested him at Massa. Carefully observe the commands of the Lord your God, the decrees and the statutes he had commanded you. Do what is right and good in the Lord's sight, so that you may prosper and so that you may enter and possess the good land the Lord your God swore to give your fathers by driving out all their enemies before you, as the Lord God has said. When your son asks you in the future, what is the meaning of the decrees and statutes and ordinances that the Lord our God has commanded you? Tell him. We were slaves of Pharaoh in Egypt, but the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a strong hand. Before our eyes, the Lord inflicted great and devastating signs and wonders on Egypt, on Pharaoh, and on all his household. But he brought us from there in order to lead us in and to give us the land that he swore to our fathers. The Lord commanded us to follow all these statutes and to fear the Lord, our God, for our prosperity always and for our preservation as it is today. Righteousness will be ours if we are careful to follow every one of these commands before the Lord our God as he has commanded us. Now I want to say in just the beginning, no, this is not talking about the United States of America. This is talking between God and his chosen nation, Israel. But I believe that the principles that God has put out for the nation of Israel, for them to rise to prominence and to reach uh, all the words that he used here, such as prosper, multiply greatly, 
long life, possess the good land, a land that flows with milk and honey, things that would make a great nation. But as I ponder what God required for Israel to become a great nation, I believe those same things would prosper the United States of America. I think it would prosper any nation that would seek to follow God and those things that he's laid out. Now the truth of this is found in God's word inscribed all over this country. All over this country he is set about that um, he is influential in this country. So that's the first thing I want to talk about this morning as this great nation or a great nation will acknowledge God's influence. Now how many would say that God has influenced this country? Now several times here Moses told the people of Israel to listen. Not only that, but he said, listen, listen Israel, kind of like in the New Testament when Jesus said, verily, verily. He wanted to get their attention in fact, the most important scripture to the Israel nation, the Shema, is found in verse 4. So this is a great context of scripture for them. They were never to forget what God had given them. I want to tell you this. How many has ever heard this phrase? Who's ever heard this? A self-made man. Self-made woman. Now I understand the sentiment behind that phrase, but it's absolutely not true. There is no such thing as a self-made man or a self-made woman. We can go back to Genesis and see where God said, let us, talking about the Trinity, let us create or make man in our own image. Now, God is the only one now, not going to get into the specifics of it, but it's a, a Hebrew phrase of ex nihilo, meaning God took nothing and made something. We can only take something that somebody else has made and build upon that to make something. So we can only take those things that are before us and build upon those things to make something even greater. The Bible says that God who richly provides with us all things to enjoy. We can't bat an eyelash unless God wills it so. What influence does God have on a great nation? There was a time in this country, whether uh, I know we say we have um, a Christian foundation in this country. You know, it was started by Christians. That's partially true. But we have a lot of our early founders and and, uh, leaders that were nothing more than deists. In other words, they believed that there was a God, but they saw the principles of God, the things of God will certainly break this nation prosper or to multiply or to become a land flowing with milk and honey. In fact, they believed it so much that they began to inscribe his words, God's words all over everywhere. Have you noticed that? You've traveled around this country a lot of times and we see that this country, the the foundational leaders have acknowledged God's influence and they put scriptures or words of God No place is more prominent than in our nation's capital where they inscribe those words in different places there so that we might see the principles in which this nation was founded on. What a great nation. God says to Moses, listen, if you will follow my statutes and my commands, if you will follow my ordinances and my laws, if you will acknowledge who I am, then guess what? 
you will prosper. You will become a great nation. Any nation that leaves God out of the mix, I want to tell you, they're headed for a fall. That comes right on down, not only to a great nation, but any family, any community, any church. Boy, that's uh, that's an oxymoron, isn't it? But it happens today. If you leave and know not acknowledge God's influence in something, it is bound to fail. It is bound to fall. God has blessed this nation, and we should acknowledge that. To acknowledge God's influence and to acknowledge God's involvement. Say another thing he gave to Moses to share with the people of Israel that they would understand going into this land. Here's what you need. How many nations do you think would say, you know, I sure hope we're a failure. I sure hope we're a failure. I think it's every nation's desire as a group of people, I think they want to have pride in their nation. I think they want to have pride in their people. I think they want to have a great nation. I tell you what, in the United States of America, we ought to walk with great pride. A great nation, secondly, will instruct future generations. Now, the text in Deuteronomy uses such words as teach. It put those words in your heart. In other words, don't just teach them, but instill them in your heart. Repeat them to your children, to your son, to your grandson. Talk to them when you sit in your home, when you walk along the road, when you you lie down, and when you get up. Even go so far as to take those words They were primarily talking about the Shema. They imported that command. But said, listen, these are so important. These things that I'm giving you are so important. You talk about them and talk about them and share them and instruct them and instruct them. And it's primarily talking about the senior generation talking to the younger generation. He says, take those words and bind them on your wrist. Put them around the phylacteries is what they call them and Put it around their forehead that they're forever reminded. Put them on the doorposts of the homes. Put them on the city gates that they're reminded every time they see those. Phyllis's uh, mother and father bought a home from a Jewish couple. Uh, They had passed away, and when uh, uh, Pastor Macon passed uh, or retired, they bought that home. And that was one of the first things we noticed. They've got those little things, those little scrolls on their doorposts. Never took them on, took them down. Hey, it's a constant reminder to us. Today, if we wanted to put it in our verbiage, hey, put it on the refrigerator. Put it on our mirrors. Put it on those places that we'd see. Put it on the TV. Talk about it when you're watching TV. Talking about it when you're sitting there, when you're driving. Make sure that you're giving good instructions. A great nation will instruct future generations how important that is. How many times have you ever heard this phrase? I I heard my mom say it many times. Son, how many times do I have to tell you? Y'all have never heard that, have you? How many times have you ever said it to your kids? How many times do I have to tell you? Well, I'm not really sure because I grew up and she was still telling me. So I'm not sure. It's kind of like, what was that 
where the, uh, the old commercial, it's back out now. How many licks are in a lollipop? You know, one, two, three. We really don't know because he crunched on the third one and said, we really don't know how many licks are in a lollipop. We don't know how many times we need to be told, but God said, tell them over and over and over as long as you can tell them. Whenever you get the opportunity, instruct them. I know we're so critical of our kids today. We're so critical of our young adults today and saying, I can't believe what they don't know. I can't believe they don't know this. I don't believe, you know, so often we look at the nation and we say, boy, it's going to hell in a handbasket. I can't believe how they're doing this, how they're voting, how they're acting, how they're doing this or how they're going about that. We can't always blame them. We understand that our children make decisions differently than when we did or how we have taught them. But I want to tell you, a good number of them were never instructed. They were never taught. And sometimes we think we're teaching them at home. And I know I'm going to get in trouble here, but it's okay. Once it's said, it's done. The schools were a different system now than when I went to school. Let's just put it that way. I don't really call them public schools anymore. I call them government schools. And there's so much instruction that they've given them and so much instruction they need to get. And it's overpowering what we as parents can teach, it seems like, because we take such limited time now with our children. You know, they've got them how many hours a week and we've got them this many? And then they go off to college. I talked to a gentleman the other day. He was one of my doctors, and uh, not Dr. Presley, he was one of my doctors. And he said, the closest thing I've come to communism in this country was when I went to Harvard. Now I've said it, that's in trouble, I guess. So far as we're out, Don, we can't go. Well, let's go now. But it's mainly because they were not instructed. They didn't know when to see the red flags. I like this, I read this week. You can't know where to go if you don't know where you've been. That sounds like a Yogi Berra quote almost on it. You know, we, we're supposed to learn from history, but if we don't instruct our kids in history anymore, then guess what? They don't know where to go. And if you don't know where to go, any road will get you there. Think about that one for a while. Because we're not instructing our children. I stand amazed at how little history, including world history and American history and civics, the younger generation actually knows. I wrote this down Wednesday. Our history is being lost to the most educated, socially and verbally equipped people since time began because of a lack of communication through direct instruction. If we don't instruct them, guess what? They're not going to know. And they'll keep falling back in the same traps. A great nation will instruct the future generations. I have uh, often loved 1 Kings. 1 Kings, it talks about um, Solomon in some... Uh, one little thing, though, in 1 Kings that we kind of read by sometimes... Don't really maybe acknowledge, you may have acknowledged this or not if you've done a study, but Solomon was kind of like a great leader, probably one of the greatest leaders as far as, I don't say flamboyance, but he wanted everybody to know that he was large and in charge. 
So in the palace, he had great gold shields. You know what the shields were? Where the military would hold those shields? They were not just great shields. They were made out of fine gold. And those fine gold shields were hung in the palace. Kind of like, I guess, when other leaders or somebody came, you know, he was always meeting with other leaders coming in and out and other, you know, constituents coming in and out of the palace. And as they walked down the corridors, they'd see those fine gold shields hanging on the wall. And I guess they'd have to acknowledge them. And they were probably intimidated to some degree like them, kind of like D.C. If you go back and study of Washington, D.C. and how it was built and those things, it was built to intimidate foreign leaders. Here Solomon has. He's got these gold shields up on the walls, but after Solomon's passing, his son took over his kingship. He began to compromise. In fact, he began to compromise so much with Egypt, which is always a sign of the world. And Shishak, who was the king of Egypt, they would just come in and say, hey, that's a nice gold shield. I think I'll take it. And rather than the king of Israel standing up and not compromising and saying, no, you can't have that because of the history or whatever, they just let them go. They just let them take those gold shields. And rather than acknowledging that and compromising, here's what they would do. They would make new shields, not a fine gold, but a cheap imitation of brass. And not only would they not hang those on the wall, they would take the military and say, Hey, go hide them in the back room. You were taking the cheap things and putting them in the back and allowing those gold, gold shields to walk out the doors. Can't you imagine what Egypt was thinking about them? All the prestige and the power they used to have. Now they don't have it anymore. We can go right in there and we can take those fine gold shields that they used to have hanging on the walls, those fine things, and we can just take them on down to Egypt because we're more powerful than they are. Where is their God? Where is this great nation? Do you know what will happen? And this is what I've always said about history. We can argue about history today and tomorrow about what's going on right now, but the books will tell the story down the road. Here's what I believe may have happened. I believe down the road some of the kids or grandkids or the great-grandkids got the reading the stories of Solomon and how they had those fine gold shields hanging on the wall for intimidation. Boy, they had great pride in those shields. They had great pride in their leaders. They had great pride in the power that the great nation of Israel was. And then those kids would begin to tug on granddaddy and grandpapa's uh, coattail or something, and they would say, but Papa, what happened to them? Why don't we have those great shields anymore? Why don't we have them? Why, why didn't somebody tell us about them? Why did you let them go? Why did they let them go? And they're going to have to explain why they didn't instruct them. Why they didn't tell them. I tell you what, there's going to be a payday someday, as Dr. R.G. Lee said. For the generations that don't instruct the generations that came before us. When our children and our grandchildren look back and say, boy, y'all sure were a compromising generation. Remember we look back around World War II and we call that generation what? The greatest generation. I wonder what they're going to call us, our children. And our children's children are going to call our generation. And what we are not instructing our children as a senior generation great nation will also honor those that came before them. 
We know, do we know what honor is anymore? What it means to honor, show honor and respect. Moses was sure to honor those that had built the foundation for this nation. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob were imperfect in an imperfect world. Understand that there is no perfect people. How would you like all that you have ever done written down on the pages such as is in the Bible? Abraham. You know, boy, they, they, they follow Abraham. They still almost worship Abraham today. I mean, if you really want to look at Abraham lied, deceived. Remember, he not only once, twice, three times. How many times did he tell them that Sarah was his sister, not his wife? He didn't trust God to protect them. He took matters into his own hands and said, listen, God can't bring me an heir, so I'm going to have one on my own. I can take care of this. And guess what? We're still paying the price. The world is still paying the price for that decision today. What about Isaac? He didn't learn from his father. He kind of went in the same way and did some of the very same things, lying about Rebecca in his relationship. How about Jacob? He connived with his mother, lied to his father, connived with him, it uh, conned his uh, brother Esau out of his inheritance for a bowl of soup or cereal or grits or something. I mean, we see how little it is. All of these had great faults and failures, but they didn't let these faults and failures be fatal. They, they were used again, these ordinary sin-filled men and women, guess what? They didn't etch them out of the Scripture. They let us see it all. I believe a great sin is committed today when we forget or simply ignore to honor those that have paved the way for us. Cleared the way so that we may prosper. So if you want to see farther, then climb up on the shoulders of giants. You think about that a minute. We are all climbing on shoulders of somebody else. We can have a greater vision because we're standing on shoulders of somebody else. But I want to tell you, those giants had faults and failures also. I personally believe that we spread too, spend too much time critiquing and criticizing those that came before us. I'm not saying we disregard their sin. I'm not saying we whitewash their sin. I'm saying we acknowledge it and learn from it. But you can't disregard it. As Jesus said, let him who is without sin cast the first stone. Just because someone puts on a uniform or wears a suit or resumes a title position does not then and there make them perfect. They are still imperfect. Called to a higher standard, called to a higher responsibility, but at the same time, they're not below or above needing forgiveness. I feel that we've taught our children to focus on the dishonor of people rather than on the honor and respect due to the office or position. We have a responsibility to honor those that came before us. To build upon that. As the scripture said, we have to understand we didn't get here just dropped out of nowhere. We got here because of somebody else. Whether it was the positive things they did in their life or the failures that they did in their life, just don't make the same mistake. 
great nation will not compromise morality. Well, that was something that God taught. That was something that God taught. Acknowledge it or not, but our great nation was founded on the laws and statutes and principles of God himself. Go back and look at it. Even the Magna Carta, the things that we developed here in this country as our laws and statutes are pretty much the same principles and statutes and commands and laws that God gave down to Israel to bring them into being a great nation. Tell you what, one thing you can read through here, as I was reading it this week, man, there's a there's a, not an added phrase in there. It's not a scriptural quote, but it's a cliche that we use. God's saying to them in so many words, listen, to be a great nation, you've got to have an attitude of gratitude. To be a great nation, you've got to understand that you've got to understand that, that we have, are doing things as a result and of accomplishing things because of somebody else. And the attitude of gratitude will beget God's blessings, just as forgetting Him will bring anger and hardship and destruction. We can't compromise, folks. We don't want to hurt nobody's feelings, and I understand I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, but the gospel will hurt people's feelings. It is. The truth sometimes hurts. But I want to tell you, the truth is what we have built a nation on. Remember Dr. Jerry Vine said, please, 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 let's stop compromising. He said this, I won't ever forget it. He said, folks, this was a long time ago. This was probably 15, 20 years ago when he said this. He said, what used to slink down back streets are now walking down Main Street saying, I want justice. Boy, that's scary, isn't it? I want to be honest with you. I don't want justice. I'm looking for mercy and for grace. But it's come to a point today we have so much compromise. I want to tell you, a great nation will not compromise on morality. A scholar and historian on the fall of the Roman Empire said, not just one factor led to the fall, but a combination of several many of which the United States of America could probably identify with. Number one is the original ideas have fled from them. Values and traditions upon which Rome was founded declined and were replaced by a notion that life itself was cheap. I'm not reading about America, folks. I'm reading about the fall of the Roman Empire, that great nation, It also says moral depravity came as a mainstay. Gluttony, cruelty were the norm, and Rome developed a mob mentality. It is a great nation that God had called Israel to, to be. And if they began to compromise the statutes and ordinances which were to guide them, then they would certainly fall. See, how in the world is a people, over 2 million people, somewhere thereabouts, of the Israeli nation, that great nation that God had set on his side? He said, these are my chosen people. 2 million people. How are they going to 
live together, work together, prosper together, fail together? How are they going to do all these things? How are they going to fight together when the time arises to fight against the enemy? How are they going to do all these things? Hey, I don't even like me sometimes. You put two people in a car and they can't figure out which radio station to play. But he says two million people, they need something to guide them. And so guess what it was? God said, I'll give you statutes. I'll give you laws. I'll give you ordinances. And that will bring you together. You'll have something that you can, hey, we might disagree on these things, but this is the foundation and this will guide us to be able to work together and to sustain a great nation. This will guide us. This is what we need. But I want to tell you, in fact, later on, I think it's in Acts, I can't remember the other one, maybe in Galatians, where Paul and Luke had said that the leadership of this great nation had not only taken the laws and the statutes and the ordinances, they took those, but they began to add to them and add to them and add to them and add to them. And I think either Paul or Luke 1 said it became a galling yoke. It weighed them down so much. So they were kind of overdoing these things. But if you don't acknowledge those, a great nation calls that which binds us. What, what do we use? What we as a great nation use today, that we're, hey, it's in the forefront. Our kids are asking the question, are we not going to tell them? What kind of guidelines, what's wrong for you may not be wrong for me, what's right for me may not be right for you? No. We as a nation, any great nation has those laws and statutes and those ordinances that stand before them, that guide them, regardless of their differences. Here is where we stand together. The United States of America has something called the Constitution. That's our foundation. That's where we stand. And if we don't do those things, then guess what? We might fall. Now, I titled this message, you haven't heard me say it yet, Drinking from wells that we did not dig. I want to tell you, that's exactly, exactly, no better phrase I don't think we could say. Because as a nation, as a people, that's exactly what we're doing. We're drinking from wells in which we did not dig. We're living in houses which we did not build. We we are prospering from fields and we're prospering from olive gardens we're prospering from others hard work we're prospering from all those things we did not get here we are not self-made people we're not we are benefiting from what somebody else has done we as a nation are benefiting from what someone else has done. The United States of America is benefiting from what someone else has done. Israel benefited from what's, hey, they got to walk into a land already flowing with milk and honey. Think about our history. 
We're doing the exact same thing. We need to acknowledge that. Our young people need to acknowledge that. And we need to instruct them. We need to instruct them. So listen, I don't know why I don't understand it. Why is Israel God's chosen people? I don't know. God gets to choose and I didn't get a voice in it. Why is the United States of America blessed so much? I don't really all know, know all of it. But I can tell you he has blessed us. We always hear that God bless America, and he has. But we better keep instructing our children. We better keep honoring those that's come before us. I don't care if they've failed, they have faltered, or whatever else. We better learn from it. We can learn sometimes better from somebody else's mistakes than learning from our own, you know, perfect things of doing, or doing things perfectly. We better not compromise in morality. Those will start us on a downhill slide. And we may not recover. Drinking from wells that we did not dig. Driving on roads that we did not build. Crossing over bridges that we did not build. Going to schools that we did not build or pay for. We need to stop today and reinstate our attitude of gratitude. For all those that's come before us, we need to stop today and reinstate that. Give God the glory first and foremost. But also those that have stood before us. Moms and dads and aunts and uncles. Community leaders. Sometimes it's always easy to critique everybody else. Well, listen, you've probably not stood in their shoes. And here's one thing I have learned. You don't know the whole story. Man, most of the time we're making decisions based on part of the information and not the whole story. Let's just do what God's asked us to do and honor them. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for blessing us to have your word, Lord, that opens the the door to us to be able to see what we need to be as a great nation. Lord, you gave instruction to Moses to pass along to the nation of Israel, and even Joshua was told to be strong and courageous, and he reiterated the very things that God had instructed that nation to be to have, and to do. Father, we can learn certainly from those principles. As a nation, as a people, Lord, I know that I would not have come to faith in Christ had it not been for someone building that foundation for me. Not just one, but multiples that built that foundation. And then I discovered that day That the gospel was meant for me. There may be somebody here or somebody that's live streaming with us this morning that does not know Jesus as Lord and Savior. A grandma told them, a grandpa told them, an aunt or an uncle, a school teacher, someone had shared with them, had sought to instruct them that they could be just great in the eyes of God. Today is today to make that salvation known. 
ask God to save you. To admit that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for you. Confess him as Savior and Lord. And commit your life to discipleship and evangelism and fellowship and giving and all those things that we need to do as believers in Christ. Many of us this morning have forgotten what it means to be a citizen. A citizen of a community, a citizen of a state, a citizen of a nation. Lord, I pray that you remind me this morning, remind us this morning of how precious it is. How wonderful it is to be a part of something greater than us greater than us. I pray that we as a people this morning, and I realize not being naive, but I realize very few may see this this morning and may hear these words, but I pray that your word go out this morning, and I know it won't go out void, but the ones that do hear this would recommit their lives to you, not only as a believer, but as a citizen of the United States of America. Father, I pray that we can stand tall. We can stand with great pride once again. For those that need to make decisions, I pray right now that you do that. 